This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. UFOs, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Facts, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Force has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. And I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making Veritas possible. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to both segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. Tonight's special guest is Scott Stevens from WeatherWars.info. Scott is a renowned meteorologist who has researched chemtrails for years and will help us wake up a world in denial about this phenomenon. Scott Stevens is coming up next. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. This is Michael Murphy, and you're listening to Veritas. Scott Stevens is an award-winning television weatherman who, a decade ago, began investigating the claims of then-Colonel Tom Bearden that North America was being subjected to full-time weather modification. During the course of that personal investigation, he was the first to discover the primary reason for the now-global chemtrail phenomena. During Scott's two-decade television career, he worked in Topeka, Kansas, Omaha, Nebraska, 
Tulsa, Oklahoma, Albany, New York, and Pocatello, Idaho. He is a principal with Blue Water Alchemy in the global project to bring about a shift of the human consciousness in concert with events surrounding 2012. And to learn more about Scott Stevens, visit his websites at weatherwars.info and bluewateralchemy.com. And directly from Crestone, Colorado, I'm honored and privileged to finally get Scott Stevens on to the show. Hello, Scott. Welcome. Well, Mel, it's, uh, it's good to be here th- uh, this evening with you. Very good. It's great. It's great. And, you know, for weeks uh, we've been in contact and I told you that uh, once again, I probably in the last four years had a few people discuss chemtrails, but I haven't spoken to a meteorologist. So I'm very curious to know how somebody like you woke up one day and said, wait a second, what I'm reporting is not the real truth. Tell us more. Oh, boy. And, and, and Mel, it was not a wake up one day. <clears throat> was, this was an evolution that took years. Okay. You know, I, I, I was aware of the term chemtrail probably as early as 1998, and it wasn't for another five years before I understood the motive behind it. And there were so many hyperboles associated with the term chemtrail that I really didn't like to, to talk about it. Uh, and in beginning the research of Colonel Bearden, which was an offshoot of my, my keen interest in energy from the vacuum, zero-point energy, magnetic motorless uh, engines, that kind of free energy device, because I understood that if we went down that road, this planet's power structure would change, and that's how I thought I was going to get at it. But it was in looking at Colonel Bearden's work in probably one that I came across a sidebar on his site, which is chenier.org, C-H-E-N-I-E-R-E.org, and it talked about Soviet weather engineering. And uh, his webmaster had posted a few pictures of some curious-looking clouds that first didn't draw my attention, but the more I looked at them, I began to see some subtle things there. And it was when I bought my first digital camera in 2000 that I started framing the sky with a different set of eyes. And that's when over over the next four years, you know, my conversion was a gradual process, but there was an aha moment. There was a day when there was before and, and, and afterwards. And that didn't was this? until 04. Well, it was the shape of the clouds. Um, I, I was looking at some high-resolution satellite imagery and uh, looking at a weak cold front on the 6th of June in, in Montana. And I, at the time, was in eastern Idaho. And I looked at some very regular structures in that cold front. I was aware of the ability of technology to create uh, drought, to enhance the strength of of hurricanes. I was aware of that and had accepted that there was a place for that weaponry, for that agenda within the Earth's climate system. But what I wasn't prepared for was that this footprint of this technology was not focused on just the big major weather events, but in everyday affairs. And that's what happened to me on June 6 of 4. Is this satellite imagery of Montana. What caught my attention was a square cloud, a very square cloud, cut out across a valley in which Billings, Montana is situated. And it was the shadow of the cloud because it was late in the day, so the shadow was cast off to the east. I see the shadow, I see the square cloud, and I go, mm-hmm. And then my attention looks a little more closely at the details. About 150 miles to the west, there was a void in this weak cold front in the shape of a square that was the exact same size as this 
what I, what I like to call a front-running square cloud. It looked like it had been cookie-cuttered out and placed ahead of time. And it was there that I had my stomach sink, and I literally felt sick for about 30 minutes. Because what I realized is that our planet's weather had essentially been digitized, that they could step weather via long-wave frequencies, via harp action, from one zone to the next zone to the next zone. What had still escaped my, let's say, comprehension is where the chemtrails fit in to this larger agenda. That had yet to come. So somebody like you, who was working on TV as a meteorologist, reporting the weather, how is it that there are hundreds and hundreds of meteorologists out there who do not get out from their homes every morning, drive to work, look at the sky, and don't question it? That's a really good question. Because once I had I had my aha, I wondered how I didn't see it sooner. I wondered how I didn't see the sky through this, this, this sudden awareness of what was going on. And I really thought, Mel, that as I began to step out there and, and share my information and begin to point out the anomalies, and I did that with my local weather service office in Pocatello. I did that with other meteorologists up at Channel 3 and, and, and Channel uh, 8 in eastern Idaho. I shared this information, but it was, as, it was a bridge too far. It was too much. They could acknowledge the anomalies. They could see that things were a little bit different. And they would say repeatedly, I've just never looked at things this way before. But grasping the whole picture was something that they had yet to accomplish. And if you're going to go out on a limb, especially in a public position, and you're going to answer these questions, you have to do it from a place of knowing. And they don't know. They don't understand completely. And that gives them a conviction to be able to deal with these questions. And that was not something I had. You know, I had begun to do interviews about scalar energy and weather modification in October of four. But it wasn't for another eight months before I would touch chemtrails. I wouldn't touch it because I didn't have a motive. I didn't understand why they were there. And that took a little more investigation, a little more time, a little more research. And honestly, spending a little money on gear. Because I, I, I knew that I was seeing waves in cloud shapes up there that didn't fit. They didn't fit with fluid dynamics. They didn't fit with how, how a fluid should appear and how, uh, how gases behave. There were shapes that were absolutely had some kind of resonance imprint. And I, was, I could see that. And I'm sure many millions of people can see those as well now. But it took buying four cameras, two computers, time-lapse software, and then essentially, you know, at the end of the day, sitting down and rendering all these movies and then examining them. And it wasn't until four months down the road, and I didn't do this to, to figure out the chemtrails. I did this to see if I, was, if I was missing something in how the clouds were behaving, because what I didn't like doing was getting up in front of an audience and apologizing for a wrong forecast. That's not a fun place to be. I was wrong, sorry, you know, but I, I was then, let's just say, inhibited either by self-censorship or by, by management from be, being able to explain why the forecast was wrong. And that was my frustration. Did you ever approach any colleagues or even management in the uh, TV stations where you worked at to, to express your, your 
newfound knowledge, if you will. Oh, I, I was never shy about that. Never, never shy. In the market that I was in, I was I was number one or, or tied for number one for nine years running. And so I had I had a, a position, I had a status, I had an audience, and so I, when I could one on one with with the other, the, with the competition, essentially, I had no problem sharing these things. But you have to share an, a background of energy from the vacuum, the ability to to deal with with time distortions, and and where does the energy come from to impact the thermodynamics of a hurricane? or a cold front. We're talking copious amounts of energy. And this is this was too much for them. They're like, there's no way. There's no way that this can be done. And then we go back to it's best to begin very, very, very early on in a storm's progress rather than trying to manage an already mature storm. You could do it, but it takes a lot more attention and a lot more resources and your results are not nearly as as guaranteed as if you were to, say, work on a nor'easter eight, nine, ten days ahead of time rather than trying to steer it when it's already looming on your doorstep. That's, that's, that's difficult. That's very difficult to do. So I know that every newsroom, every newsroom in this country and probably throughout Europe as well, have been presented with this word of, of chemtrails and what to do about the trails in the sky. And occasionally, newsrooms, news departments, science editors, weather people will go out and do a video essay of what's happened overhead. They'll call the FAA. They'll call the local military bases. They'll hit those contacts that they think should have the answer for what's going on up there. And they all come back and say, it's not us. It's not us. We don't know. And so then that's where the story ends. It's curious. It's odd. But we don't know. We don't know. And that's exactly what I've been through in the past few years. Scott calling, as you say, the local Air Force bases, the FAA, even the EPA. And I've heard from people at the EPA who have told me that they have been told, drop it. Don't go yeah. there. Even people. I know people. I even have relatives who are ranking, high-ranking members of, of major airlines. And that is one Two things in this specific airline. They say to the employees, do not ask what crashed at the Pentagon, number one. And number two, do not ask about chemtrails. Apparently, there's a, uh, a, a silent way to silent pilots. And that's another question. With so many hundreds of planes that we see all the time, why hasn't a pilot come forward? Could it be that these planes may be remotely controlled? I, that's my opinion. Uh, because I see aircraft that are keenly interested in intercepting other chemtrail formations at very precise locations. And it is impossible to get commercial planes at those locations at the proper, honestly, second. I mean, this is a highly orchestrated ballet in the sky. And I, I think they're drones. I think we absolutely have our civilian fleet. They may do some particular adding to the atmosphere, but as, as far as the marking trails, the ones that are persistent and remain in the sky for long periods of time, I think we have an entirely different fleet. And the number of those planes may at time equal the civilian fleet that is, our, that is airborne. It, 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 it's, it's high. And, and my biggest question is, where's the ground operations for those? And that's, that's what I'm still working on is where do, are those planes serviced? And, and where's the money? If, 
Well, I don't think the money's ever an issue. I really don't. When you've got a, a banking system and a shadow banking system, uh, the way ours is set up, I don't think money's an issue. You know, when you when you have cases of, of, of billions or trillions of dollars of bearer bonds showing up around the globe now and again, and all oh, the fake, all oh, the fraud, you know, and, and they're dated 1934 and they're obscene sums, you know, then then there is there is slush. There is a back spigot coming out of the Fed that feeds Boeing, feeds Lockheed Martin, that feeds Dow Chemical, that feeds uh, Honeywell, that feeds the military industrial complex in all of these other agendas that are that are happening. And so I don't think money is an issue. You can keep the two the two streams completely separate. And apparently they've been able to do that for some time. You know, when I go to other countries, and, and recently I reported this going to uh, the beaches of Mexico with my family, all of a sudden, and this happens all the time, this is a, a small fishing village. All of a sudden you see the crisscross patterns down there. Is If Mexico is a sovereign country, why is this allowed? Because I really don't think they have the, the capital to be funding these planes crisscrossing the skies. No, I, I'm sure Mexico does not. Um, but you know, Mexico. I, I see them. You know, th these trails will go from from Texas into Mexico, California into Baja, and deeper into Mexico all yeah. the time, all the time. So uh, we we could be looking at what was termed the Open Skies Accord, and maybe that was the the public mechanism that allowed the Western powers access at will to fly over these sovereign nations. What has concerned me is the appearance of these flights in South America during the past five years. And I'm sure Chile and Uruguay and Paraguay and Bolivia, Argentina and Brazil were not actively signing up to have this activity show up. And, and so what prompted these nations to essentially kneel at this power and submit? And I wonder if, since we know they've got directed energy weapons, maybe... Maybe the Chilean earthquake, maybe the Haitian earthquake, maybe these big earthquakes are ultimatums. Maybe they're acts of blackmail to get these countries to submit. Because in, and there, there really isn't a counter. And how do you explain to your population, uh, sorry, we're going to open the skies. We've just had a 9.2 earthquake. You know, we've got 2,000 people dead. You know, a city's in rubble, you know, and we do really don't want this to happen again. So, you know, the, the planes and, and these powers that be are now working our skies as well. My goodness. I, I had no idea that you actually went deeper into the rabbit hole. So <laughs> we're going to take the show many places. You mentioned directed energy weapons. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Judy Wood and her oh, work. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. Okay. She was one of the first persons to name your name and your research to me, by the way. It, but I wanted to ask you, since you are a meteorologist, Hurricane Aaron in 2001. I don't mean to deviate from the game trails, which is tonight's subject, but Hurricane Aaron at Category 3, all the way east of New York City. We know what happened in last week, Hurricane Sandy, not even a Category 1, and we see the damage it caused, and they had to Tell people in advance, Hurricane Aaron being Category 3, they did not announce it, at least the majority of the TV channels there. Tell me what you yeah. learned about that. Well, this this was kind of before my awareness was, was on these issues. Um, and for me, because I was in the western United States, and, it, and Aaron was never a threat to my audience that I had responsibility for, it was simply 
another Atlantic hurricane that would stay out in the open. Right. And, and, I, and I made no association between it and 9-11. That was something that came up years later. And- Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section, or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today, with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it, because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.